Hello, welcome to the LifeBridge podcast. We exist to practice the way of Jesus, participating in God's kingdom coming in Dover as it is in heaven. My name is Tyler Saldana and I'm the pastor of our church community. We are so grateful that you're checking out our church's podcast. We pray that the Spirit uses this podcast to encourage you in your following of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I thank you that you are in control. We ask that you teach us, Holy Spirit, that you give us eyes to see, you give us ears to hear uh, just the good news of who you are, Jesus. Encourage our hearts, challenge our, our, our thinking and our actions, and uh, call us to uh, conformity to you, Jesus, and to followership of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so yeah, we're looking at the topic of gossip, and uh, I got uh, three points. So the first point, we are called not to gossip. Hope we got that one. We're called not to gossip, but instead we are called to be encouraging and to speak the truth in love. So, before we dive into the topic of gossip, I'd like to pose the question rhetorically, what is wisdom? Uh, If you're unfamiliar, this is part of the wisdom literature in our scriptures. So uh, Gordon Fee's a New Testament scholar and Douglas Stewart as well in their helpful book How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, which I recommend to everyone who wants to know how to read their Bible a little better. They define wisdom as the ability to make godly choices in life. You achieve this goal by applying God's truth to your life so that your choices will indeed be godly. Or another way to define wisdom is from Raymond Ortland Jr. He said, Wisdom is the gospel of Christ reshaping us for royalty as God places us on his anvil and we trust him enough to stay there until his work is done. There's a little bit more of just our sanctification, our our purification there, some of the stuff we've been talking about in 1 Peter. Now where do we find wisdom? Now in the library of Scripture... Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, while the Bible writings, uh, whereas our Catholic brothers and sisters or Orthodox brothers and sisters, they, they vary on that, whether it be 71 or 73 books that they affirm. But we have affirmed for hundreds of years 66 pieces of writings as inspired Word of God. And so the wisdom literature is primarily found in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and uh, we refer to Job as so. Uh, Job is not necessarily taken as a literal once. And so we're looking mainly at the book of Proverbs for wisdom. And Proverbs talks a lot about relationships, money, sex, family, work, life in general. But primarily, if you look through it, it's often about young people. Listen to the advice of your, of your elders, of your parents. Always. Uh, and then it's, um, oh, Dad. She's like, you're already telling me to listen to you, Dad. Um, <laughs> um, or it's about our words. It's often about our words, about our mouths, about how much power is in our tongue. And in my assessment, of, as I've thought through the Proverbs, um, It seems like 
we can take the proverbs kind of like fortune cookies or horoscopes or even just daily self-help things, and those are just different. Um, those really aren't rooted in truth. Um, the proverbs are not as so. It's not this little like little pick-me-up. They're actually meant to be really challenging. Each two-line sentence often, or sometimes four-line uh, stanza in a proverb is loaded. And so that's the, scale, uh, that's the challenge for us as Jesus followers in our like instantaneous, quick pick-me-up 2021 lifestyle. Uh, if we're tired, we get a coffee. You know, if we need a hit of dopamine, we scroll through Instagram. And if we want our life to be fixed, let's read a proverb. Okay, everything's better. Wait, why isn't it better? That's not how it works. That's not how the proverbs work, and that's rarely how formation and, and transformation in Christ work. It took thousands of years for God to re- reveal uh, his plan in Jesus. Um, it's going to take more than a couple minutes for your life to get better. So when scaling the Proverbs, while they may look like a tiny, well-traversed hill with clear signage and trails, they're actually much grander in scale for each verse of each chapter represents a mountain range of wisdom in themselves. So this morning, when we look at Proverbs for Wisdom regarding gossip in particular, we're seeking God's truth so that we may prayerfully reflect and contemplate and then apply it to our lives and in so doing, make godly choices about how uh, we speak, but also what we listen to. And maybe even how we correct our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, our first point, yeah, it was already said, we are called not to gossip, but instead we are called to speak the truth in love. Now, when we think of gossip, uh, my mind jumps to, you know, Bueller's Checkout Stand, all the gossip magazines, uh, OK, and People, and all these different things. Or maybe if you're more on your phones, um, yeah, Facebook or Instagram's trending, or, or, or Twitter's trending section, or Snapchat, or, or, or Instagram is the Discover section, huh? Sorry, my bad. Um, but we get these bite-sized pieces of information, of information about really useless stuff, right? I mean, who cares what happened in the celebrity's life? But for some reason, it gets us. Uh, it just catches our eye. Ever since I was a little kid, I, I can recall going through the checkout stand and that, that Jean Benet Ramsey girl face has been on the cover of those magazines for like decades, it seems like, and I, I've always just wondered. I have no idea who she is. I have no idea what happened, but that gossip magazine got me. and. Um, if you're unfamiliar with her, well, that's a whole story. Um, but when we think of gossip, that's where we jump, right? Or, or to celebrities, or to politicians, or athletes, uh, and other people who we all seem to know, but we don't know how we know them. Um, we don't know why they're famous, but they are, and we all just know their names. It's kind of weird. But we tend to look out there, off in the sky, out in the distance, and we think of gossip out there. We rarely take it to hear. Um, And perhaps that's because we're somewhat accustomed uh, to gossip. So much so that it doesn't really phase us anymore. We don't even realize that we are partaking or um, receiving gossip. It has become such a common tongue for us. Uh, In particular, in our political climate, gossip about a member of an opposing party, right? I mean... As long as it's about them, it's okay for us to talk about it. If it's your party, it's like, hey, come on, they're human, like, come on. Let's not, like, everyone makes mistakes. But if it's the other person's party, 
oh, let's get on that. Let's, that's totally okay because they're out there. For some reason, they're less human to us. Uh, but that's not true. They are human. They are made in the image of God. They are people. Just because there's a screen in between us and a camera between us and them doesn't mean they're any less made in the image of God. Or perhaps it may be due to our tendency as humans to point the finger elsewhere. Or as Jesus said, point the speck out in your brother or sister's eyes uh, while neglecting to acknowledge that you have a log in your own. So, to see gossip as a problem that someone else deals with but not us, not me. So when I, when I think of gossip in particular, um, just going to own a little bit of my teen phase. I was into some teen soap operas as a teenager, I'll just be honest with you. Mine was called The O.C., uh, Orange County. I'm from Southern California, so uh, that was my show. I was all about it, and if I'm honest, we still watch it again because uh, that first season was killer. Aaron, <laughs> I like every girl I dated, I was like, we've got to start this show, and if they liked it, if they didn't like it, I was like, hmm. I don't know if this is going to work out. Um, but Aaron really liked it. So uh, here we are. Um, but no, uh, I was really into that. This is my pre-Jesus days. Um, but there's still some redemptive storylines. But anyways, uh, I think of those. There's just a lot of, you know, always some, who did what, he did this, she said what. Oh my gosh, just a lot of that. A lot of who done it. And um, an- another way I think of, I mean, nowadays kids, it seems like the show is Riverdale. Um, but another one, if, if you, how many of us have watched The Office? Did we watch The Office? A few of us? Okay. Hmm, maybe I should skip this one. Um, I'm just going to give the example. Uh, if we're unfamiliar, Michael Scott, Steve Carell, the beginning of season six, I believe, it's the first episode, they, uh, it's called Gossip, uh, because they come back, and Michael finds out, he's the boss, and he really wants to fit in, and... Uh, the whole the whole opening of the of the episode, he's hearing all these things that happened. That there's a young couple in the in the office that is dating, and he had no idea, but everybody knew about. There's all these things, little tidbits of information that he didn't know about, and he feels outside of it. And so, what does he do? Um, he starts a rumor, um, but it turns out the rumor is actually true. And so he starts a rumor about an affair in the office, unfortunately, and it turns out it's actually true. And so he tries to backpedal the whole episode. And what he does is, you know, if the rumor's about one person, he starts making up a rumor about every single person in the office so that it just kind of all caves in and hopefully they think it's all not true. Well, all his coworkers kind of come together and figure out who started it, and it's him, and it's just really sad, and it's chaos, um, and it causes, it's, it's a little bit of dark humor. But the point being, you really see what, was Michael's motivation behind spreading these, these lies? What was his motivation behind saying, hey, did you guys hear? Blah, blah, blah. There's a selfish ambition, right? There's a desire to feel included or a part of something. There's also this little bit of superiority, especially in regards to he's, he's telling of someone's infidelity. Like, can you believe that they're doing this? There's this way of just a little bit elevating yourself above someone else. You see the heart underneath what Michael is doing, why he is spreading the rumors. And it's not always just black and white or one thing. There's layers there, and Michael's trying to fit in. He's trying to feel loved. He's trying to feel a part of things. He's trying to elevate himself 
all these variations of reasons are contributing to gossip. And so as we talk about gossip and the wisdom books, uh, wisdom that the book of Proverbs offers us, here's what we mean. Uh, Tim Keller and his wife Kathy, they defined it to be gossip, a statement does not even have to be false. I think that's a common misconception. It's only when we're spreading false things. No, it does not even have to be false. Proverbs 11:13 speaks of true information about someone that should have been uh, about someone that should have been kept in confidence. Gossip then is negative information that may or may not be true, designed to make the speaker and the hearer feel superior to the object of the gossip. So it's negative information. It could be true or false. The intent is to elevate both the gossiper and the gossip and the receiving of the gossip, the receiver of the gossip, above the person that the conversation is being spoken about. So we see this in the first proverb that was read. It's all throughout the Proverbs, but let's just read 11.13. I just picked a couple out. So Proverbs 11.13, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. And then our second one, Proverbs 18.6-8 reads, Fools' words get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. And this is my favorite part. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's hearts. It's a little outdated language for us, dainty morsels. But there lies the intent, the true reason why we gossip. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into our hearts. I love the paraphrase in in the message of that last one. It says, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want junk like that in your belly? That really really hits, especially in light of last Sunday night. uh, I ate a lot of extra candy, um, mainly because we took our baby trick-or-treating and she can't eat it. So... um, and it was funny when every 10th house would be like, this isn't for you, this is for your dad. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's why we only went around the neighborhood once. Um, but still, every night this week, I'm getting those extra candy. But that's what rumors are to us. Do we really want that, that junk in our belly? Man, that candy, that junk food, it always sounds good, right? Until later at night, when it hits you a little later, where you're like, shouldn't have eaten that shouldn't have eaten that. Now, as I'm getting older, I'm learning that I can't eat the way I used to. used to be able to eat a whole pizza, um, but now that I'm past 30, uh, my better days are behind me. You know, I'm all, probably on the other half of my life. <laughs> Kathy's like, what? <laughs> I'm not college Tyler anymore. Let's be real. I can't do a whole Gioninos on my own. Um, I've got to split one with Aaron. I want to, but a couple slices in and a couple breadsticks in, and I'm like, it's just setting in. It's feeling it. that the, the, the pepperoni grease is weighing. It's saturating. You know, it's starting to gurgle. And um, that's, that's the illustration here. It's this draining thing that gossip can be. It takes the life out of you. At, at first, it seems so tasty. It seems sounds so appealing, but then after a while, you're like, That was not worth it. It's damaging. It's poison. It sucks the life out of us. So while we're called not to gossip, but instead 
be called to encouraging and uh, to encouragement and to speak the truth in love. So we as humanity are called not to do this. We are called not even to entertain it. In Leviticus 19, and uh, this was quoted earlier in 1 Peter. In Leviticus 19, God is speaking to Moses, the leader of God's people at the time. And in it, God is giving the commands for God's people to Moses. And he starts with a big one, right? He summarizes, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And, goes on, and then God goes on about don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet, honor your father and mother, and so on. And then in verse 16, God says, do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. So when God calls us to be holy as he is holy, he considers not gossiping to be a major part of that endeavor. Similarly, uh, in the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Rome, uh, if we flip over to Romans 1, Paul hits a little bit on this, starting in verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they're without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. So it says, therefore God gave them up because of this. In the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And it's likely here that when they're worshipping the creature rather than the creator, they're actually, we are actually worshipping ourselves. And then you jump down to verse 28, and Paul adds, and here's where it all comes together for gossips. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind and to things that should not be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious towards parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. They know God's decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, yet they do not do them, but even applaud others who practice them. I feel like that just sums up Instagram or TikTok. Um, <laughs> Earlier in his life, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. And in chapter 4, he wrote, We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. How do we do this? A few verses later, Paul continues, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 
There's countless passages like that. In the, in the Proverbs, in the Epistles, in Jesus' words. This is how we're called to live as humanity. This is human flourishing. This is a major component of it. That our words have the power to bring life or death. So the problem is, point two, we love the candy, right? We love the gossip. We eat it up like junk food, like cheap candy. We enjoy the junk food that is gossip. That's why when we go on diets or make resolutions, right? Um, yeah, if we go on diets come January 1st or something like that after the holidays, what do we do? We, we clear out the pantry, right, of everything that is a weakness to us. I try not to have Coca-Cola in my house because if it's there, I will drink it. I love Coca-Cola um, or, or a lot of sugary things, although Fruity Pebbles is kind of my vice right now. Um, <laughs> marshmallows and fruity pebbles? Oh, no, 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 that's a little weird. We'll talk about that. I'll pray for you. Um, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but no, that's why we do that. We clear it out because we can't have it within arm's reach, right? We can't have it in-house because if it's there, we want it. We crave it. We don't even realize it. Or yeah, if you're going on a social media fast, if you're trying to get off social media... Uh, how many, uh, coming as a former youth pastor, 10 years with students, how many of my youth would be like, I'm, I, I know I need to get off social media, I'm going to take some time, but then they leave the app on their phone and it turns out they never missed a day. I'm like, yeah, you've got to get rid of it, and you've got to probably have someone have a password so you can't re-download it. Um, like, that's just how it is. If, if you're trying to set, put a gap between you and what you're having a problem with, addicted to, whatever it may be, you need a gap. You need space. And that's gossip to us, right? We see Facebook or listen to a podcast that talks about someone that we're just... I mean, Aaron Rodgers was all over this week, right? That was the big thing this week. True or false, that was the big story. It was almost every night on TV. That was what was going on. There's always something like that that we want, that our culture craves that we're taught is just normal. We're formed in that way to expect to talk about what other people are doing or don't do, and so on. Or teens, perhaps, did you see on social media that so-and-so is with so-and-so, or so-and-so's not dating so-and-so, or, whoa, they just broke up, but now he's with her? Oh my gosh, it's so sad, and how instantaneous you guys see these snapshots. And we wonder... We don't wonder. We, I think we know why teens are dealing with a lot of anxiety with this stuff. And for some reason, again, if it's famous people, it just seems a little more acceptable. Like we get a pass to gossip about them. But there's something about seeing these pics, these pictures of people at Bueller's or on social media or whatever it may be of people that dehumanizes them. And perhaps it's that we often think, see them act in roles, um, or they're elevated to this almost godlike figure in our culture where we can just as, since we erected them as a god, we can just as likely tear them down. I don't know what it is exactly, what the heart behind that is, but the point is we enjoy gossiping. And if we're honest, if we take a scalpel to our soul, the answer why to why is because it makes us feel better about ourselves. I think if we're honest about that, 
Maybe you're not there. Maybe you're like, eh, I don't know. Well, then maybe it's just me. But it, it helps me feel a little bit better about the mess in my life when I know someone else is, is just as, if not worse. And that's, that's looking to a false gospel. That's looking to a hope in someone else's condemnation, fall? I don't know. It's, it's kind of twisted, right? That we're, we're taught that look to someone else's downfall as a way to feel better about your own life. That won't give you living hope. That, that hope will not be enduring. And perhaps that's why the gossip magazine industry and, and television industry is just perpetually profitable. <clears throat> and maybe it gives us this temporary feeling of relief. Maybe I'm, I'm better than them, but here's what gossip does to us. In Proverbs 16.28, it says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. It damages our relationship. Perhaps you've had a relationship that's been damaged by gossip. Even the best of friends, it tears families apart. And then in 18, verses 19 through 21, Proverbs says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. It says, Wise words satisfy, though, like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. So notice the difference between the earlier verses in Proverbs 18. That gossip is like these tasty morsels, right? While wise words, it's like a good meal. I like the contrast there. Because gossip, I think I I just picture, yeah, candy, fast food, whatever it may be, something that quick fix, but it's really not going to sustain. If anything, it's going to cause long-term health effects on us, right? but a good, well-prepared meal that's healthy, balanced, all that, it's nourishing. You feel better at night. You're not like laying in bed at night and like, man, I shouldn't have eaten that. That's what wise words are like. That's the contrast. I think of, for me, I think of one of my favorite meals, just um, back in the Northwest, there was a this really awesome Mexican restaurant in, in Capitol Hill in Seattle, and uh, they had these amazing vegetable fajitas. I think they cooked them with like even tequila in it somehow, right? It was I don't know, it was something weird like that that I'm like, what? It was so good. I, the alcohol was cooked out. Um, but they were phenomenal fajitas. My parents would fly up from Southern California to go to that restaurant with us. It was so good. And yeah, at the end of that meal, every every time we'd go, I'd just be like, oh my gosh, like I don't even need dessert. That was so good. That's what these words are like. That's what right words are like. They bring this satisfaction, wise words. Have you ever experienced this? Where someone just speaks life into you? Whereas they're speaking to you, man, the, the lungs of your soul are just like, like you're just filled with life. And perhaps your shoulders are able to release the tension. That's the difference we're seeing here. But the writer continues in Proverbs 18 and verse 21. He says, The tongue can bring death or life, 
Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So, gossip aside, I think we can all relate to the contrast there. I think we've all received, at some point, hopefully, some wise words that poured life into us. And yet, at the same time, I think we've all likely received words that just felt like a knife to our soul. They just pierced us. That's the power of gossip, but that's also the power of affirming, encouraging, maybe even corrective, hard corrective words that, man, that was tough, but I needed that. It messes with us, it eats us inside out, but it also harms friendships, marriages, communities. We've seen churches, we've seen places split apart. But Proverbs 26.20 says, Fire goes out without wood, and corals disappear when gossip stops. Corals disappear when gossip stops. How awesome that would be, right, if we just had no fights in our church? Maybe families or households, you're like, if we had no fights in our home. Sometimes it's just little scuttles, but like, man, like the, the, the fights where it's like, ooh, I'm not even looking at you in the hall. I'm sitting in a different part of the church today. I may not even go today. It's awkward. It'd be great if we didn't have that. We don't have to, but we'll get to that. And it tears apart, though, more importantly, the person who actually spoke the gossip. It ruins your reputation and credibility. People lose trust in you. Proverbs 20.19 says, A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. Man, young people especially, but all of us, man, if you've got that friend who talks, stay away. As soon as they start chattering, that, that's, that's your cue to go. Unless you have the guts to, in love, confront Yeah, it's not worth your soul to listen to that. We love to gossip. It's a significant problem. It tears us apart individually and collectively. And really it tears us apart from God because we're called to be holy and this is a part of that holiness standard. But there is hope. There's hope for both the gossiper and the gossiped about. If you've had trash spoken about you, lies told about you, or truths, things you did that you messed up but you just... It didn't need to be spread like that. There's hope. For each of us, Jesus offers us redemption and satisfaction. Jesus is not simply a tasty morsel or junk candy. He's a, he's a delicious, full-filling, life-giving meal, right? Think of communion, the Lord's Supper, where it is actually not just bread and some juice, but it's a full-on feast foreshadowed of the feast of the Lamb that is coming in the book of Revelation. The last point being Jesus is the true good news for both the gossiper and the gossiped about. Jesus is the true good news. He's the true word spoken over us. In the opening words of Ephesians, Paul writes this in verse 4, Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us, showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. A few phrases stick out to me there when I read it. Verse 4, holy and without fault in his eyes, we've been given freedom, we've been forgiven of our sins, not just our actions, but our actual posture, our heart posture, our bent, and then we've been given wisdom and understanding. And then in another letter of Paul, written earlier, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, he says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Do you think gossip, when we speak of gossip, when we speak words that will change someone's opinion of someone else, true or false, are we speaking of them from God's point of view or from human's point of view? Are we seeing them the way God sees them now in Christ or the potential if they do turn to Christ? Or are we seeing them through a broken worldview? Paul continues, At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. Everything that's been said about you, true or false, it's gone. A new life has begun. Everything that you've said about others, that can be gone. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Our words are to be messages of reconciliation, not deterioration. He concludes in verse 20, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, Come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You know what's cool about this? I've said that I think we've seen in Scripture that we're called not to gossip. Instead, be encouraging and speak the truth in love. And yet we've also seen that um, we don't do that naturally on our own because we tend to eat up the junk food. But guess what? Jesus is the true good news. You have hope in Christ. You have forgiveness in Christ. You, have, you are blameless in Christ. You have freedom to not gossip in Christ. You have no need in Christ to elevate yourself nor put down someone else as you are in Christ because there's no higher place you can be now. You have no need to gossip in Jesus because you have more meaning and purpose and value in Jesus than any gossip or slander will ever bring you. If you're in Christ, you have Jesus, you have wholeness. So we don't need to put others down to bring ourselves up. 
In fact, Jesus came and endured and took on the lowest of lows that we might be elevated in him to the highest of places. That we can enjoy greater things in knowing and experiencing God. Now, there's a couple sort of random miscellaneous questions, deleted scenes, think of it as you will, whatever it may be, but a couple just, yeah, how does this look? With regards to gossip, does this mean we can never speak of someone negatively, even at a time where someone may pose a threat? So I want to give one example of this. If, we, if you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. There's an example that we can learn from there where Paul is writing to one of his apprentices, Timothy. Uh, Timothy's a man that he's known since he was likely a teenager. He's walked with him for years. He's been developing him as a young minister of the gospel and a, and a church planter. And they're so close, Paul even refers to him as his dear son. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 15, Paul writes of this interesting, there's little pieces of information here that we get in our scriptures that are really personal. Starting in verse 15, he says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless talk, a worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Now this kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. So not only did this like go to Timothy, they're talking about this, like this is for generations now, we in the church know um, some dirt on Hymenaeus and Philetus. So, sharing negative information, right? Even in, uh, as true as it may be. That seems to def- be defined as gossip. So here's, in this case, let's assume the negative information wasn't designed by Paul or Timothy to, to devalue these people or degrade them. Paul believes that Hymenaeus and Philetus are a danger to the community because they're spreading... Uh, a false gospel. They're contradicting the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel. They're contradicting, they're, they're denying the resurrection. And so because of that, because it puts the community at risk, puts others at risk, it seems like the exception here comes with when someone is a danger to the community, uh, in particular, this is amongst leadership. There seems to be a leadership, uh, almost conversation or counsel or leader text, if you will, right here that we're reading into of, hey, we need to talk about these people because they're destructing some of our community. They're leading people away in LifeBridge. That's where it seems to make the exception. Now, one of the difficult and yet important responsibilities we as pastors and and the leadership team have is, is to watch over. And that's actually coming in two weeks at the end of 1 Peter. That's the last message um, talks about leaders and and, and the flock. To care for them, to watch out for false teachers, for dangerous people, uh, people who come and attack physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. That is our goal. And parents, if you're a parent of a kid or you're an aunt or an uncle or a godparent, and if you have any sort of younger person in your care that you look to or or, or anyone you look to for care, uh, to care for, you know this feeling of shepherding. Um... Parents in particular, I, I mean, my, my dad example is, uh, 
I mean, parents, I think we probably have this where if your friend all of a sudden starts, or your kid starts hanging around with a friend that you're like, oh no, I don't trust that kid. Uh, and you just get that parent feeling in your gut where you're like, yeah, that's not the good friend. For, that's not a good friend for them. Uh, that's not going to work well. Um, not, nothing against them, but I don't know if that's the right kid for my kid to hang out with at this point in their life. I don't know if they're ready for that. And that's some discernment, right? There's no, it's not black and white. It could just be a parent feeling. It could just be too much Gioninos. Um, but really, you're feeling, you're feeling it out. It's a wisdom call. And that's where church leadership is entrusted to work together to try and discern that. Um, but it does seem to still stick within leadership. It's not like down on the ground that we're like. So for us, as a church community, what does this look like for us? If there were ever to be something of this sort where it does seem to someone is doing something or spreading something that can combat uh, the truth of the gospel or the uh, community as a whole, uh, we encourage you, we ask you, we plead with you, come to leadership. And no one else. Don't spread it. Come to leadership, share with us, and let us, let us talk. Uh, that is, uh, I'm currently on leadership team, but even when I'm not, you know, that's, or if I'm ever not, um, we as a local church are submitted to the leaders of the church. They are the ones that God has entrusted for us as a local body to shepherd and care for us as a church community. And uh, let's entrust them to um, graciously, carefully walk through those things rather than spreading it around. Um, the last question I had was how can we assess whether or not something's gossip? Helpful questions uh, I usually try and ask is, is this something I should be talking to the person about directly? Or is this information something the person wouldn't mind me sharing? Uh, is this the kind of thing I would want someone sharing about me? Is this something I would say if they were right here in the room? I would say if you're answering yes to that one, you should probably have a yes to one of the other ones too because maybe you're just bold and blunt. Um, <laughs> but this is where we're asking these questions in community. We're asking, we're, we're really taking the scalpel to our motivations. Again, it's tricky, but it's important to maneuver these conversations together in community. Uh, it's also simultaneously loving in Scripture for us to confront one another for the sake of um, honoring God with our lives their uh, correction gets a bad rap. It gets tied in with judgment and condemnation. Um, but correction is not condemnation, and we have to be careful that to not correct in a condemning way. So we can correct each other in love. We have to make sure our heart and minds are right, and maybe it involves coming, and there's a pattern that Jesus gives us in the New Testament but coming to the point where it's saying condemning them for what they did, putting ourselves in the place of judge, um, that's where it gets towards gossip. So, um, Okay, as we wrap up, where do we go from here? Well, how do we in faith take some spirit-empowered steps in following Jesus here? Uh, if you find in this that maybe the spirit was convicting you even just in 
considering your own words, or, or maybe um, is bringing to light some words that were spoken about you, and it's, uh, it's just bringing up some pain, that uh, yeah, people spread rumors about you, or even truths about you that you wish would have stayed between uh, confidential parties. I invite you, in this time, as we get into music, to share this with God. Our four things we do right now, and just in the last song or two, is we reflect, we prayerfully reflect on the words of the songs this morning, but also the words that we've heard this morning from God's Word. Bring it, bring it to prayer. Go before Him, and if it leads you to confession, if you think it means that you need to confess to God, or even to someone in this room that you've wronged them with your own words, do so. God is faithful to forgive us when we confess. And then we, uh, we sacrificially give to help the mission go forward. And then we, we sing, sometimes joyfully, sometimes filled with lament. Sometimes we just sit and hear the brothers and sisters around us sing because we don't have the words or joy, but we hope that those around us, we just we hope those the melodies and, and their lifted voices will penetrate our own hardened heart at this point. A couple practices that I think help in this, um, I often reference silence and solitude, but silence and solitude is a great practice to, if for this in particular, because one of the intentions of silence and solitude is for us to shut our mouth, right? And we allow God to speak truth to us. In particular to someone who has been gossiped about, right? Allow the Spirit to remind you of gospel truths. That you are not defined by what was said about you or what you even done, what you have done. But you are now defined, if you are in Christ, by what Christ has done. That is who you are now. And similar if you are the gossiped. Man, maybe you're feeling guilty. But still sitting in silence before God, maybe having a gospel passage like 2 Corinthians 5. 16 or Ephesians 1, 4, Ephesians 2, uh, any of that, man, just letting those words, sitting with them, chewing on them, allowing the Spirit to, and, and let those emotions come up. That's, that's a good practice. Another one is prayer. And in particular, if you have some bitterness um, towards someone, I encourage you to pray for them. Spend time committing to pray for those, that person or people. As we pray for others, the Spirit cultivates affections for those people. That's why Jesus calls us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Because in so doing, prayer, there's this misconception that prayer gets God to change what he's doing. Uh, The primary uh, purpose of prayer is for God to change us, the prayer. That's why we look at the Lord's Prayer, it's so much so about our own heart, our own mindset. That's why in the Psalms, there's some honesty, but then it gets back to, like, not my will, but your will. Deal bountifully with my heart. It's not like God's up there, or God's here, right? It's not like God's just like, oh, shoot, I didn't think of that. Good idea. Um, <laughs> he wants us to pray and ask for things. Um, But in so doing, he is reshaping, reorienting our affections. He's he's recalibrating our vision for the kingdom here and now. Um, And that looks like 
even this, praying for your enemies, praying for that person that has gossiped about you or that you have gossiped about. In so doing, I, I do think the Spirit will help you cultivate love for them. And the best example we have of this, and I'll ask the, well, just a sec. The best example we have of this is John 17, where Jesus prays for us. And if we're unfamiliar, we are God's enemies before Christ. Your greatest enemy is, that separation is nothing compared to the separation we had before God. And our Savior prayed for you, prayed for me, prayed for us. And in that, it was painful, it was, it was heavy. Whoa. It was, that was intense. That was, that was painful. Uh, it was painful, it was heavy, it was wearisome, like it was draining. You know, drops of blood were sweat. Um, but it, it was taxing. But in it, that is, that is the Savior that we follow if we're in Christ. When we say we're Jesus followers, we follow him in that enemy love, and that enemy prayer. Um, and in so doing, I think it opens us up to become more like Jesus. Um, not just in our actions, but actually cultivate and change our affections towards those people. So, I want to leave you with this. To both the gossiper and those who have been gossiped about, know that if you are in Jesus, these words don't define you anymore. Paul wrote in Romans 8.16, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children now. You're no longer a gossiper. You're no longer what people have said about you. You're no longer defined by what you've done. The Spirit of the living God affirms, speaks, testifies that if you are in Jesus, you are now his children. That's literally who you are now. Your, your former identity, your former familial identity is subservient to that. You are in Christ. You're God's child. That is your main identity now. Whatever you've done, whatever society would call you, whatever you would call yourself is down the totem pole. That just took precedent. On your Instagram bio, that is your first thing that describes you, young people. Everyone else, it's okay. That's who you are. It's the top thing on your resume. And I want to leave you with St. Peter's words in, in his first letter that we read at the beginning, uh, or the second week. He's quoting Isaiah. He says in chapter 1, verse 23, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the fields. That grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you and that you believed in and followed Jesus. Let's pray. I'll invite the band up. Father, we thank you for um, just your encouraging words in this time. Holy Spirit, we do ask for we ask for comfort for uh, I, think, I think maybe a lot of us have 
if, if not all of us, have had words spoken about us that were just heavy or um, just really cut to the heart and you wish they weren't said or spoken or, or maybe you wish someone would have came and spoken to you rather than telling someone else about it. So I do ask God that, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort those of us who are wounded, those of us who have experienced those, those hurts. Um, I do also ask that you would comfort those who have gossiped, and again, I do think that's all of us. But I ask for both comfort and conviction. That you would convict us of our sin, of our wrong ways, of our ways that we have treated people as less than image bearers of you, but then that we would also be comforted that we have, um, we have a loving Father who corrects us, but then also came and redeemed us and gives us opportunity to be different, to join in a new way of being human. We lift all these things in your name, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the LifeBridge podcast. For more information about our church, please visit lifebridgedover.org. There you'll be able to find out more about the church community, our ministries, ways to get involved, recommended resources, and to give. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episodes directly into your podcast feed. While we are glad that you're checking out our podcast feed, we believe that the New Testament teaches that church worship is to be experienced weekly, in person, within your local church community. Thus, we encourage you to either join us in person for Sunday morning worship or to find and commit to a local, gospel-centered church community in your neighborhood. Thanks.